Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another Shop Talk Show. This is your host, Jason. Uh, if I sound a little different this week, it is because I am sick. So please ex- ignore my sniffles and sniffs as I'm back here <coughs> dealing with it. Excuse me. Uh, I am joined this week by a special pair of guests. I'm going to have go ahead and introduce themselves here. Hi, my name is Henk Jan Braaksma from the faraway country of the Netherlands. I'm uh, I'm familiar well familiar with Jason. I've played with Jason for a couple of years now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's been running long. It's been running long in his uh, fantastic Rise of the Rune Lords, Rise of the Rune Lords play by post. And yeah, I'm happy to be here. All right, hello. My name is Yuri Geranen, and I hail from the northeastern part of the Europe country of Finland, and I'm much more recent uh, in, in Jason's game, I think only for a few months now. Time, then again, time flies fast, so I can't even remember <laughs> exactly when I joined, but hopped in to replace uh, uh, a character that, that was, well, the player was lost, maybe. Yeah, so both of these gentlemen, they uh, they are joining the ranks of our international interviewees. Uh, luckily, both of them are in the same, I mean, geographically speaking, the same general area, um, which makes it a lot easier. We don't have like one in Japan and one in Europe and then me here in the States, which would be a nightmare logistically. Uh, but they both play in the play-by-post game of Rise of the Rune Lords, which I just double-checked. Started almost exactly three years ago. Um, Holy like you said, shit. time flies. Uh, and uh, we are actually going to be discussing different styles of play. Um, I, you know, I brought them in because they like this is the only play by post game I'm currently um, participating in. The other ones I had, the DM kind of had to, you know, give up the ghost and say goodbye to, but. You know, it, it's it's definitely kind of a unique thing, a play-by-post. We've been playing for three years, and we are in book two. And, spoiler alert for you guys, we're only about halfway through book two. You know, it, there's, <laughs> there's still a lot of content left in that book. Honestly, I'm surprised it's already halfway. It feels like we haven't done a lot yet since we started book two. Well, I mean, one of the things about a play-by-post um, is because, like, combat already takes a long time, right? Like, it's one of the things I, I say, um, and it's one thing, you know, I especially having played in uh, an actual play podcast, one of the things I always tell the DMs is combat takes a while. So you got to only use it, you have to use it judiciously, right? When you're in person, it's a lot easier to make it run faster. But in a play-by-post, if you're lucky, the DM posts and then all the players post and then the DM resolves all that stuff and then we move on, right? But there's got to be a lot of hand-waving for like, oh, three people attacked the same creature, but that creature went down on the first attack. So now we have to reconfigure what those other people did and yada yada. I cut out a lot of combat. There's supposed to be a lot of ghoul fights that yeah. just didn't happen because it's like this unnecessary fights in in play pipe post. It's really frustrating because it's it's so slow, and if you just basically have the encounter there to 
get the XP. And and it, if it doesn't really play into the story in in any way, it's it's going to get very very slow and frustrating after a moment. Because we're now yeah. on, a, I think, on a on the sort of a dungeon map all the time, and even that is quite slow. That we go investigate that one room, we wait for a day for everybody to agree, then another day for actually the the, the game master to tell what's in the room and, and then for the reactions again a day or two etc yeah one of the um podcasts i listen to critical hit they have a gm on there called rodrigo and he said combat should always have a point and sometimes that point is real simple and it's just loot and experience points yeah but i can just give you guys experience points in other ways like you need experience points to continue playing the game Especially in a pre-made AP like we're running. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're just gonna, you know, if you don't have enough experience points, you don't level up, and you're just you can't continue the adventure. You'll just die. So like, I gotta get that out there. And this current one, the current map you guys are in, is particularly dangerous because it's like it's not even the fights. There's not even a lot of fights in it. It's just traps and haunts. Yeah, we have we haven't had a single fight since we got here. Yeah, yeah I, I I haven't had any fights in your game yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only encounter, quote-unquote, that I've had to even kind of see what happened, the only fight, uh, well, there was one haunt that could have led to a fight, but all the will saves were passed, but there's a there's a diseased rat downstairs in a, trapped in a tub, but it literally says it can't get out of the tub, so it's just like, and you guys just kind of looked at it and went, that's disgusting, and walked away from it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, exactly. yeah. I guess that's that. All right. And then, like, later on, when the floor collapsed in the room above, I was like, Zenaida just squishes it because she's, she's, she's like, She's wearing armor. Yeah. yeah she's yeah, wearing yeah. full plate and she you know, fell into the tub and just smashed the thing. So, <laughs> huh. <clears throat> yeah. Spoiler alert all the fights are in the basement. <sighs> I, I yeah, knew I it. That's why, that's why I suggested to go to the attic first. <laughs> <laughs> well, you always go to the attic first anyway. That's just good strategy because. If something comes up behind you, you can't jump out the window of a basement. You can jump out, like, worse comes to worse, you can flee an attic. You can't flee a basement very well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, play-by-posts, um, you know, the the biggest thing for me playing them is in this, like, I don't know any of you guys before any of this, right? And I, I don't really know you guys. To me, you know... Listeners, I just learned their names today. Um, they're like how to and how to come close enough in pronouncing them, uh, which was you can't see this. There's some eye rolling of like, I'm used to it. It's fine. When I've had probably about half the original crew just kind of ghost us. Like occasionally you get a player who's just like, hey, real life has become too complicated. I need to leave. But for the most part, they just kind of disappear. I mean, everybody probably have their reasons for that, and I, yeah. of course, can't blame anyone. But it's it's partly frustrating, and also if, if it's somebody you really played for a long time, and suddenly disappears, it also makes you worry. Yeah. That did, did something happen? But in most cases, it's it's just a real life got too much in the way, and 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 they just couldn't actually 
really make the decision to quit and, and type type the message that sorry guys but I need to go but we've had a couple of those, those as well and just just yesterday uh, uh, in one game the the GM told told this message that he, he he couldn't do that there was too much real life going on that he had to quit the game yeah. which is, is sad of course I, I yeah. think I've known him for five years now nice that he he said something though like you know we're we're just now in our game talking about one of the characters or one of the players who hasn't posted in a game and one of the other players is like yeah i'm in another game with him hasn't posted there either and you have to mm. like you said you have to worry like this person get into a car accident like did they decide to quit or did something happen to them yeah, yeah I mean, and, and we still i mean covid running around maybe and now you get more used to it, but when when it started and, and if somebody just disappeared, it's of course, gosh, they did did he die of an of an global pandemic or or, or what? The the first play by post I've ever joined, which is still ongoing with a fantastic uh, group of people, uh, one of them being a, a Pathfinder writer and her two ch- young children, which oh. is surprisingly fun. It's a lot of right, wow. But um, when I got there, uh, the, I, I was a replacement myself at that point. But I've re- about a year ago, I realized that out of the original group, there is no one left. Not even the DM. Huh. It is an entirely <laughs> new group carrying on from like... A campaign started by entirely different people. It's like a weird sort of ship of Theseus thing going on there. Yeah, that's. I think that even happens quite a lot on on like our post. It's just it just the scope of time is yeah. is so crazy, and and because it's five years or more that the games can go on. If you just think what you. What happens in life in, in in that period of time? Yeah, yeah. And naturally, I mean, you might have a lot of free time at one point, and suddenly you don't have any. It's kind of time-consuming, even if it isn't necessarily in in a strange way. It's both at the same time. Yeah, it's not necessarily time-consuming. It's just it plays out over just a massive amount of time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I started gaming about 15 years ago, and I still game with that group of people, right? But 15 years ago, I was single, early 20s, just living with my, you know, with my best friend as roommates, and just, just, I had just gobs and gobs of free time. So, like, I had so much free time, I started another group. And then I started going to conventions, and then, uh, you know, we had the podcast, and it's like now now that i'm in my mid 30s with two kids i don't do the the podcast anymore except for this part i haven't been to a convention except for the one that i helped organize in like 2 years even outside you know pandemic stuff because i just just so much has changed you know i still love to play the game but i just have to adjust you know even the the three play by posts that i was in is whittled down to just one. But I wanna I wanna jump back to the ship of Theseus idea. Do you think the original group that started that campaign has reformed it 
and is now, you know, that campaign is existing in two places at the same time. That, that would be so incredibly funny, but I think, um, I don't think so, because uh, one of the people who kind of disappeared without without message was the DM. Uh, so, so, yeah. Well, in my uh, mind, there's extraordinary circumstances, and they have, in fact, reformed it. And yeah. There's a true ship of Theseus situation where both campaigns exist. <laughs> this will be my fantasy. Yes, and one day in a few years, uh, the two will meet and we must do battle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Pitch your characters against each other to see who truly deserves it, but you yes. both truly deserve it, <laughs> but neither of you truly deserve it. Um, so, what other, like, do you guys play in any other games, the non play by post games? Uh, very little. I, I have one. Uh... D&D game, uh, which been on a hiatus on for, for the summertime and even in the start of fall had been really busy. I just hadn't had the energy to start scheduling for the next game. Mm. But shit, I mean, it was it was slow and, and we agreed that it's it's going to be slow like once a month. And that, that was fine. But um, other than that, uh, no. I, I would like to, but it's the the reality of being a very difficult person to schedule with. I, I haven't really time, tried to push myself in, into too many games. What about you, Hank? Um, I have uh, one main game running, aside from this. Uh, well, aside from play by posts, I mean. Um, and it's it's one that I run myself. It's Pathfinder 2nd Edition, and we uh, get together every two weeks. Wait, it's it's been a lot, that's been like the perfect balance of we want to play this game, but also we are all adults with jobs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, with your your D and D game, how did you guys play? Do you do remote play? Is it in person? In in person, yeah. Okay. I've, I've tried remote games a few times uh, with the local uh, society lodge uh, but it just didn't do it for me I, I really didn't enjoy it for there's various factors but one is also that I might spend my whole work day on a teams meetings and then booting up the computer for <laughs> basically get another teams meeting it, it just didn't feel relaxing at all. But and Hank Young, for yours, is yours in person or remote? No, ours is uh, remote, uh, purely due to necessity. Like uh, most of us live in the Netherlands, but we're pretty spread out. And then one of our players is also in uh, in England, so you know, can't yeah. can't have her sail over every two weeks. I mean, you could just charter a helicopter, but, you know, if you want to be cheap about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, I also, I have two groups that they each meet every other week on alternating weeks. The, the long-running group is still in person. Um, we went remote temporarily um, because, you know, worldwide pandemic. Uh, but we're in still in person, and uh, the other one is remote, 
again, almost out of necessity. Um, you know, most of us are still in Illinois, but there is the minimum drive time is about 40 minutes. And uh, the one of us recently moved to Indiana, uh, about an hour and a half away. So, and while he said, yeah, I'll make the drive, we're all like, he's not going to make the drive. That's, <laughs> that's a haul. Yeah. So... Let's, I mean, let's talk about remote play because I am like, Yuri, I don't like, I'll do it through necessity, but I don't really enjoy it as much. And my biggest thing about it is I find the role play suffers in remote play because people are hesitant to talk over each other. And it's hard to pick up on cues about like when I should talk and when this other person's getting done talking and stuff like that. Yeah, um, th- 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 there's... There's something about about communication, and 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 also that there's always the equipment faults. And I mean, again, I, I'm not sure if my mic is <laughs> working at the moment, or are you getting getting any any noise? No, we have. If we get the crickets again, uh, we will will pause because that that'll need to be edited out. That is right, that is a yeah. strong cricket sound. Okay, All right. But I mean, that's problem, and. Then, then again, when when playing, you might to have to strain yourself to hear somebody speaking, and and it also plays off from the, the the role play part. Maybe maybe some like pure combat scenario. You start on a map and stay on the map until the till the end. Maybe would would yeah. be okay. I don't know. What about you, Henke? What what is your general opinion on the remote play? Um, well, it's, in my case, it's mostly, it's mostly just that I haven't had a lot of chances to do the, the alternative to actually meet up uh, at the table in real life. So I'm, I'm pretty used to it most of the time. And I can tell you very well, I, I can tell you with much certainty, as a DM, my players have no problem talking over me. Oh, wolf. <laughs> I, I love them dearly, but they're all a bit of a bastard sometimes. <laughs> As many players are, yes. Yes. Well, I, I will say one thing about remote play that I do enjoy, and that is the visuals. Um, especially since I, in my remote play, I'm running the Shattered Star Adventure Path. You know, I have it on PDF, and I can just be like, I need this map. Screenshot, crop. Boom! Throw it up there. Yeah. Here's the map. Oh, you want to know what an NPC looks like? Well, they have official art. Like, and I can just throw it up, and like everybody gets to see stuff. Um, a lot of my players they're on Hero Forge, and you know they'll design their mini, and then they don't need to spend fifty dollars to have it, you know, printed and painted and shipped. They can just screenshot it and send it to me, and I'll you know erase out the yeah, the, the background, yeah. and there it's, it's exactly what you want. So. I do enjoy that benefit to remote play, especially since we are not rich enough to have like virtual tabletop monitors built into our game table and stuff like that. Mm, so oh, that, that's the dream, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what. Yeah, the virtual right? Are, are you using roll twenty or? Well, I personally, so I do a thing where I alternate. Like I run a book of an AP, and then I make somebody else run something for a little while. Uh, so oh. when I the other GM in our remote play, he is using Roll20. Uh, and But we chat through Facebook Messenger, right? We okay. just do a video chat through there. 
Uh, I personally use Google Drawing because the AP I'm running isn't available in Rule 20. So, like, getting the maps to fit is a pain in the butt. So, I just throw them up on Google Drawing and I can resize them however the heck I want. Um, and then I have, you know, multiple pages open of Google Drawings, different Google Drawings where it's like, this one's full of all my enemy pawns and NPC pawns and small yeah. maps. And I can just copy paste them as I need. So... That's how I do it. What about you, Hank Young? I've uh, I, I've had quite the journey when it comes to figuring out how to properly do uh, how to properly run remotes. I started with Tabletop Simulator, which was an interesting experience, but not great. It's I, I'm not sure if if you're familiar with Tabletop Simulator. I've, I've heard not. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, we're playing uh, like board games. Yeah, it's, it's for our listeners. Why don't you go ahead and, and describe Tabletop Simulator? Yeah, so a Tabletop Simulator is like um, it's this 3D well tabletop simulator, as the name kind of implies. You just got your tabletop. Multiple people can join it, and you can basically play whatever you want in there as long as you have the assets for it you you can have pawns they're all 3d things that you can just pick up move around you have uh, card decks that you can shuffle automatically and stuff so it's really it's it's really a very catch-all way of playing whatever tabletop game you would like uh, in 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 like a 3d environment and there's there's a lot of potential there, especially for like board games, but for your own uh, tabletop RPG thing, it's it's got a lot of features that aren't necessarily going to be useful to you, and the stuff that would be useful to you is just not in there, such as well, an easy way to track monster stat blocks, for example. Okay. Yeah, because it's I mean it's basically just virtual pawns for for, for yes. critical stuff and it doesn't like like with roll 20s and 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 fantasy crimes and whatever that, that they have sort of different layers for players and and, and game master yeah there, there's and, auto there's also automation and stuff like roll 20 which tabletop simulator does not have unless you build it yourself or get like a mod to do it but it's it's it is simply not ideal gotcha so great for Parcheesi, not great for Pathfinder. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. I say. And after a while of that, I also moved on to uh, to a Google Drive. I I used uh, Sheets instead of Draw, but you know it's really the same thing, and that worked very well. Until uh, recently, I decided. Uh, by recently, it must have been over a year ago now. But I decided to uh, take the plunge and try. Try Foundry VTT, which is a relatively newcomer compared to Roll20, but I found it to be very good. Mm. It's it's pretty much it's it's very similar to Roll20, except um, yeah, I, I'm not even really sure how to explain the differences. You do got to pay for it. It's a one-time uh, fee, but. Um, it's 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 an open source project, so anyone can contribute to it in any way, which has led to like a whole lot of different teams making uh, different uh, making different game systems work for it. Like 
it's it's built for D and D fifth edition out of the box, but it has a very thorough uh, second edition uh, system with a lot of automation in it. And because Pathfinder is completely uh, open source available, that uh, I, I forget the license, but it's, open it's game not license. Yes, because of that, like nearly all the content that Pathfinder 2 has, aside from, you know, stuff like art, maps, and the like, it's just in there. You can just pull it up and show, show, it, to, show it to people. You want to figure out, hey, what does this spell do again? You just pick it up, you click it, and it shows up in the chat menu with little buttons to roll the dice if you were, if you wanted to. And it has been very good for us so far. Is it enough that the Game Master buys it, or does everybody have to buy the license? Only the Game Master has to buy the license. And after that, it's a little matter of, like, um, of server stuff, because it's, it's, it's just a program, so you need to... You need to either host it yourself or get a separate service to to host it for you, which would mean a subscription fee for that. But aside from that, it's it's just you buy it once and you're done. Kid, like, how feasible is it for you to host it yourself? Um, I've done it for a little bit. You know, just have it uh, running on a separate laptop. It's it it worked decently well. And I basically just switched to uh, to a to a third party server for convenience's sake. Mm. But if I were strapped, I could still host it myself without too much problems. Gotcha. Well, um, what uh, what other things do you guys feel like uh, should be said about remote playing beyond the fact that uh, you know it, it's great for the distances? Yeah, I mean. That you don't have that you don't have to care about the distance is is good and also if you have just a venue where to meet up to people for basically the looking for group venue then you can just hook up with whoever people and especially maybe if you're living in a in a smaller town where where there's not maybe too many possible role players to to join then then you have suddenly the whole world or at least the whole world in your time zone at least that <laughs> or well then again if, if you're have a very flexible timetables then 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 the whole world won't yeah i mean that as somebody who's never been able to work a nine to five job that is one of the nice things about remote play is you know, I, I've worked deep nights, I've worked starting at 4am, now my shift starts in the afternoon and I don't get home till midnight, you know, I've worked retail hours, it can be weird to find, you know, to find people to play with, you basically, you gotta hope that you find somebody who wants to play, can play, and can play the same hours as you, so... Like you said, opening up to the whole world really helps with that because it could be the, like you know if I was still working deep nights, it'd be perfect to uh, play with you guys on the other side of the world yeah. because yeah. I happen to be awake at what is for me three a.m. because that's just my normal work time. Yeah, we we had a few games uh, 
with people from three continents, Australia, Europe and Americas. <laughs> the scheduling was sort of always bad for at least <laughs> two parties. Yeah. And, and uh, you either have to wake up really early or try to stay awake for really late. One of the guys I came with, Nick, he said that, you know, he was doing a remote play with some, uh, I don't remember, I don't think he ever said where, but he just said, you know, with a game in Europe because his schedule was weird. He's like, you know, I just happen to be awake when they're playing, so. If it works, it works. Well, then let's talk about everybody's favorite, well, uh, most people's favorite, anyway, in-person gaming. The classic. Yes. Obviously, how it all started because, you know, 40 years ago, you couldn't do remote playing. There was not that option unless you were calling each other on the phone, which would be a really bizarre concept. Yeah. I I don't know if there would be play by post. I I think I've seen some ads in some some very old Dragon magazines or, or something that you actually played by post. Point That's why it's called by mail. <laughs> yeah. That would be. I mean, you th- you think the 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 forums take a while? Could you imagine doing it by snail mail like that? <laughs> yeah, that would just be wow. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You played the same game for sixty years. Uh, yeah, we finished just one combat. Yay! Yay. <laughs> the ten, ten years war. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Just a uh, few more, and we get to level two. Yeah. <laughs> in so, person, yeah. yeah. In person gaming, the way it all started, uh, and you know, like I mentioned, I used to go to a lot of conventions, and I I still help run one, and it is one of my favorite things is the is to meet new people, you know, like, and you start just to get a wider circle of, of people and central illinois has a pretty robust pathfinder society circuit you know it seems like it's every two months there's another convention and so like you really get to know a lot of those people you know that you otherwise would have never met but then occasionally our convention is unique in that we have an open bar so people love to come to ours and we get people um all the way from you know two states away they're driving like five or six hours just to, just to come play for the weekend. And, you know, they become regulars. Nothing beats sitting down and seeing their faces. Especially, I, I remember one, you know, when I got like the whole table to jump with the evil, uh, evil laughter from the bad guy. Because it was just like kind of came out of nowhere and they were like, <laughs> you know, one lady's got her hands over like, <gasps> over her chest like, ah. It's, it's my fondest memories. That's, again, something on, on the other me- mediums you might might miss, that how, how people react. And, and I, on conventions, I... Well, obviously, with COVID, there, there was a little pause. And I, otherwise, there's, there's one one main convention in, in Finland, which I've tried to participate every year. and. and uh, I need to do this this year as well. This time with my oldest kid. So nice. So maybe a bit less gaming for me, but 
growing growing up the next generation is is <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah. Still waiting for mine to a couple more years on mine before I try conventions because they're yeah. just not uh, quite there yet. I mean, well, convention games is uh, one small problem for me is is the background noise. It's mm. usually a lot of people crowded in rather small rooms, and and uh, and sometimes you you can't even hear the the game master, uh, and then then sort of immersing yourself in this game is, is a bit harder. So I I, I wouldn't try to play a Cthulhu game in, in a in a very very noisy uh, gaming room. That's just the voices you're hearing. It's it adds to the ambience. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a thing we we had to work hard on for ours. Um, we had we got big huge strips of fabric that we hang on the walls and a few that we hang from the ceilings to help dampen all that sound because you're right. You know, I, I went to Gen Con uh, some years back, and you like they had Pathfinder in the biggest room. So there's like literally two thousand people sitting in this one room, and I was constantly just straining to hear the GM leaning across the table, like, and you know, and he's having to be louder, which is only meaning the other GMs have to be louder to get over uh, him, yeah. and it's just. How about you, Hanko? Do you do you ever do any conventions? Um, I'm, I'm I'm no, because as far as I know, there's not really a tabletop convention scene in the Netherlands at all. We have a convention scene, but it's more uh, it's more of the uh, comics, anime sort of stuff, and I I don't believe that there is even a single convention specifically dedicated to uh, tabletop gaming. The closest I've had was a little um, a little event that we uh, visited just a few hours where uh, where you know local game stores and stuff they it was just a, a big game afternoon and there you, you had tables there were a lot of people which was a lot of fun. you had people um, displaying their their own games you know the, the the prototypes that they were working on and that was really nice but aside from that i've never been to an event for tabletop gaming and i kind of wish i could but as far as i know they're just not around all right you need to fly to helsinki next year <laughs> i'm sh i'm sure i can find a reason to fly to helsinki again <laughs> Or, you know, see a need, fill a need, go to Helsinki, experience their event, get some clues, and then start your own game convention. Yeah. Ah. Find yes. your, your local uh, Pathfinder venture officer, and get them get them involved. Um, and I, I will tell you this, Paizo will help you out with, like, um, uh, reward materials. Like, you know, uh. they because we are a charity convention specifically, so they send us a little bit extra. But they'll send out like boons and gift cards and stuff like that for you to to raffle away for your players. And DDA DDAL kind of sucks, um, but if you can find the players and get one of them to organize stuff, that's great. Um, but their adventure league isn't very well organized, so. 
and then find a Warhammer tournament and get them going, and you got a convention, my dude. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, all right, action point for you. Action. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm the person to organize all this. But hey, dude, if me and my chuckle fuck friends can organize a convention, we're next year is our our tenth anniversary. We we've been running solid for ten years, and we fucking figured it out. I think anybody can do it. Yeah, that, I think they they all, all conventions start small, pretty much, and they just then start growing and growing. <clears throat> like I said, there's a lot around here. We've got Heroicon, Flatcon, Winter War, Tabletop Central, Farmageddon, D8 Summit, Lexicon. And that's all within an hour of me in some direction. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that's nice. Yeah, Farmageddon it's... was yours, right? Yes, my, ours is Farmageddon. It's the best one. <laughs> of course. Especially if you like, you know, uh, a full kitchen and and uh, an open bar. Oh, we're wow. the only ones who have that. Oh, I didn't like a full kitchen. Okay. I don't drink, but I do like yeah, a full open bar. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, if you guys ever find yourself in Central Illinois in uh, in April, all right, you let me know, um, and I will I will pay your admission fees. Oh, nice, thank you. Just to have you have you come and hang out. I'll definitely keep that in mind. I, I mean, hell, if you guys ever find yourself map and start to figure out where <laughs> where exactly. Oh, it's Central <laughs> Illinois. Well, it's a, do you like cornfields and soybeans? No, all right, yeah, okay. Uh, realistically, um, Chicago, most people know where Chicago is. We're about three hours south of Chicago. Okay. Um, three hours north of St. Louis. We're near the University of Illinois. All right, okay. Now, now I'm on a map. Those are, those are the landmarks. They're all within three hours. <laughs> and, uh, I'm actually flying to Chicago in, in this month, later this month. Oh, really? Yeah, this, uh, this is my actually my original uh, sort of first play-by-post group. And we're having a, a convention, actually. <laughs> we're, we're, nice. we're calling it a convention, but it's 10 people. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, gaming weekend. Cool. So it's, a, it's a bit of a long, <laughs> long distance for a, for a gaming weekend. But yeah. The, that, the that's other a haul, man. Yeah, the other guys have been doing it for for several years now, but they're being US based, so it's slightly easier for them to travel. Still, that's pretty cool. You're gonna fly literally to the other side of the world for a game. Like yeah, those guys I mean, are probably gonna be thrilled to see you. Yeah, yeah, I haven't. I, I've met one of uh, one of the guys when he was in Helsinki, but other others is just faces in the screen. Yeah. I mean, that is one of the things, too. Like, before seeing you guys, the only thing that I have to go on with you guys is, like, your character names and avatars. And it's just, like, Loth has been there the, the longest, right? And I'm like, Loth, he, he's a halfling, got a strong chin. Like, I don't know anything about this guy. As, uh, this player is a person. I don't even know if the player is a man or a woman until I see him in person in some way, like, is so I just whatever they are, 
in that picture and then like you get to see him in real life it's like it's like listening to a podcast and like you get a mental image of what that person looks like and then you see a picture of him and you're like no i'm sorry but that's not what you're supposed to look like i know exactly yeah, yeah, what you mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you you don't get to have a beard no <laughs> yeah it's for, for many years you just you just see this one avatar there and 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 learn how how the avatar is speaking and, and and looking and start to expect the player is something similar behind it. F funny enough, Jason, for you, um, for the longest time, my picture of you is not like the avatar that you've currently got in um, in Rise of the Rune Lords, but rather the avatar that you used back in uh, Ruins of Asland, which was where we first met. <laughs> the shipwrecked guy who looked, you know, malnourished and unshaved. Okay. No, you were you were you were a monk, weren't you? No. Oh, one. oh, you're right. I'm thinking of Skull and Shackles. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, Carl Roden, the yeah, the the shaved head monk. That man, yes. I, I wish I looked. That guy was bronze and built. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'd be a movie star with that body. <laughs> well, you know what? Please continue to picture me that way because <laughs> I would like to look like that. <laughs> no promises. And I, I am glad that you don't think of me as my as my avatar in the current game because you know it's a padlock and a bunch of keys. So yeah, <laughs> that, that that helps a lot actually. Yeah, ever <laughs> image. My my default image is uh, just a shield resting against the tree for much the same reason, which also leads to another thing with play by posts is when you see somebody else using the same avatar as you, you're just like, That's you, fine. That's yeah, fine. You, you, you <laughs> yeah, or even somebody using the same avatar as one of your your players, and you're just oh, like, wait, are they posting yeah. in there somebody else's game? Is that wait, no, no, that's somebody completely different. Yeah, that uh, that happens to me a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true, and also you. I couldn't pick an image for my avatar that somebody in my games have been using. Yeah. Ever. It's because that, that's a lock to that person. Yeah. Yeah. Ruben, you know, because I used to do conventions so much, I have a lot of um, society characters registered on the account, and they all have their own picture. Luckily, knock on wood, nobody's ever tried to use the pictures for my existing characters because otherwise that would be a different level of confusion. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Now I'm just curious. I'm, I'm going to check real quick if your Pathfinder Society characters has like overlap with the people I've played with. Uh, statistically, probably. Yeah, Probably, I, yes. I mean, I, I don't have as many as some people I know. Like, my brother-in-law has over 30 characters, but I, I, I think I've got a good two dozen up there. Yeah, they, they pile up. Yeah, especially yeah. like, uh, you know, they, when you, I, I, I don't mind GMing, obviously. So at a certain point, like, you get all those GM boons where it's just like, hey, hey, here's a new race. And I'm like, ooh, I want to make this. And then you know, it's just like, I, I have a bunch of characters that are just like GM babies because they've got a racial boon and some GM credit and they've never actually been used. It's weird if, if you start playing with a character that's been just piling up on, on credits from, from GMing or, or from APs and 
your first game is when your character is like level nine and you yeah. really don't have any idea actually how to play. Yeah. I've, I've got one that I've named uh, PCH. It stands for Put Chronicles Here because it's just like, I, I don't really intend to ever play this character. I just need a place to put Chronicles sometimes. And it's like, <laughs> like you said, I don't want to just jump into a game where I'm like, yeah, I'm a ninth level spellcaster and i have no idea how any of my abilities work because i've never actually played this character before um, so let me slow this game to a dragging halt <laughs> yeah especially with spellcasters i really didn't know yeah I, I i i cast someone monster wait wait a while while i see my options yes <laughs> so hank young what have you have you discovered am i am i infringing on other people's copyrights um, coincidentally one of your character is using the same avatar as uh, the pl- the new character brought in in a different campaign for- brought in in our um, uh, Tyrant's Wrath campaign to replace our mutual missing friend. Mm, so I think what you're saying is they're using mine, not the other <laughs> way around. Yes, of course. I'm also noticing that two of your characters are literally just Mickey Mouse and Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Oh, hey, thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. Okay. So, listeners, the reason why I'm appreciating this is uh, Norville Rogers III. Norville Rogers III is the real name of Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, and uh, Willie of the Steamboat is my rat folk. Do you see the one in between them? Uh, Falcolo. Oh, of course. The investigator. Yes. Hey, li- hey, we're going to go off on a side tangent here as I push up my glasses, and uh, I'm going to get real nerdy here because I love making puns on this stuff. So, Falcolo is the investigator. Columbo. Peter Falk played Columbo. Mm-hmm. Uh, a- you got Stalig is an Oread. Stalagmite. Darian Gale is a wind kineticist. A lot of people don't know Dorothy from Wizard of Oz had a last name. It's Gale. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Cervantes! Oh, that's a really good one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I have a knight named Cervantes. And he's he's a bit cracked in the head. Uh, his horse is named Miguel. So, it's Miguel Cervantes from uh, Don, Don Quixote. Quixote. Don Quixote, Okay, Hummus is a uh, is a verdant sorcerer, so he's a plant-based guy. To- El Toro Rojo loves to give out potions of fly because the Red Bull gives you wings. Oh, oh, that's terrible, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, Zedemore is a spiritualist. His his spirit's name is Winston. Winston Zedemore uh, from Ghostbusters. Oh, is that his last name? Yep. Huh. Ahmed ibn Fadlan ibn Alabas, and that's as much as the name as Pathfinder would let me put in there, because it goes on and on and on, and that is the name of the character from uh, Thirteenth Warrior, uh, and then the last, yeah. So I, I like to make pun names for things. It, it it is my my deepest pleasure. Even my, and if you guys listen to the podcast, Tam. My character, her, she's, you know, a, an archeo- adventurous archaeologist. Sean Connery's nickname growing up was Big Tam. I don't know why, but it was. 
So since he played Indiana Jones Senior, yeah, so yeah, that's that's my tangent. Sorry, is <laughs> no, it's a, it was a great like, tangent if you I ask like to me. name things. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I mean, Captain Society anyway. It's sort of for me, it has slightly more light-hearted approach to the role-playing game because it's not tightly knit story. You you have your character. You go to play some other characters that your character has never played with before and the, the episodes in, in your story usually have nothing to do with each other yeah. so it, you might just just as well get get a little bit crazy with that you know a lot of the the society scenarios they start with uh, you know i asked the society to send the six best operatives and you know we just go bullshit you walked into a room and said uh, you 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 and you come on yeah <laughs> you just picked six people at random because that's why we have three polearm fighters two wizards <laughs> and one rogue <laughs> our very best man yeah and you know it it does lead to that sort of hilarity you know that weirdness too especially like if there's unique items you know, it's like, yeah, I got this special shield that talks, and three other people go, yeah, we do too. It's like, well, there's only supposed to be one in the whole world, but now there's four of them here. Uh, well, I ran, a, I ran a table for four gnomes, each with an owlbear companion. <laughs> <laughs> and usually that everybody's been playing the same scenario, scenarios before, and everybody was there killing the, that one boss, but nobody was doing it with, with the other characters. Yeah, it's, yes. there's that intentional suspension of belief for yeah, some of that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I got one character that I used for a lot of the specials, and he jokes in where he's like, my very first mission, I graduate, I do my confirmation, then they send me to Mendev to fight demons. First thing I do, and like, I had never played this character before, and I took him right into Siege of the Diamond City. No additional gear, fighting demons. And I've used them in almost every special sense. And he just has this really kind of haggard attitude because he's just like, even when I go to Grand Convocation, I am on vacation. We are attacked. It is the worst thing. I cannot wait to retire. (laughs) (laughs) He sounds like a tragic figure. Oh, I love playing him. So... Hey, Young, you, you have not talked a lot about in-person gaming. Obviously, there's no conventions in your area, but do you have, like, you know, uh, do you have an in-person scene in your friendly local area game stores and stuff that you can play at? Yes and no. The scene used to be bigger. Uh, it, it used to actually be tied to the friendly local game store, but the friendly local game store kept growing and growing, and eventually there wasn't really any more space for actual local gaming there. That sucks. Yeah, and instead it was moved to like this uh, separate... Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to find the English word right now. But basically, like a group, a, a, an informal organization of people that you know just get together and play games. But it's not a specifically uh, role-playing game thing. It's just any sorts of board games, and the things that they do plan specifically are more catered towards trading card game crowds, like specific nights for Pokemon TCG, specific nights for Magic. Gotcha. So if you wanna. 
if you want to get into uh, tabletop RPGs, like, directly local to me personally, like my region, you're really going to have to find, you know, other people to play with and set up a group like that. There's not really an official structure over here. There's no... There's no Pathfinder Society in this neck of the woods. There's no pass. Uh, there's no D and D Adventures League. Maybe there's Warhammer. I don't know. I haven't actually looked into Warhammer all that much, in general. It's just not my scene. Yeah, it's 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 expensive. Yeah, that. The terrain alone is. I was about anyway. to say you'll yeah. need a table. <laughs> Nah, yeah, when, yeah. When, I, when I when I when I said you need a table, I mean you need a table with terrain on it on yeah. which to play. Yeah, you know we got some crafty guys who could build that stuff, but oh, that's that's another fun thing about in-person gaming is uh, you know getting to use props. Yeah, <clears throat> we got a couple guys in one of my groups that are very handy, you know, and they they built like our game table. It you know it's on a lazy susan, so it'll spin and. You know, easy reach and stuff like that. And and don't worry, it's high enough up that I won't knock over a beer bottle. It, it's also fun just to be able to, like, hand notes to people, you know, and, like, have them have that for reference or hand somebody, like... I like to homebrew custom magic items, so, like, I'll put that on a uh, an index card and hand it over to somebody, and it's like, that's your special thing. It's yours. Yeah, yeah it's... And on, on, on in person, it's... it's any way it's tangible the items you get and yeah it's always different feeling from from a virtual i mean you can hand out things on, on a virtual environment as well but it doesn't feel the same as, as holding it in your hands absolutely there's just a certain there's just a certain feeling you get when the dm goes you find a note and he hands you a note yeah and and it's also the the classic uh, GM trait to just inflict some some paranoia among the group. Just give any note <laughs> to a player and then then smile wickedly. Uh, <laughs> that yes. doesn't doesn't have to be anything in the note, but <laughs> everybody starts to be very suspicious. Uh, I I like this one. Hand you know after a night's sleep, you hand everybody at the table a note that says, and you tell them, don't let anybody else see your note. When you're done reading, fold it back up and hand it back to me. And the note says, you wake up, feel like normal, you may act normally. <laughs> and they all just say that. They, but they all say that, so they, <laughs> but they're all immediately thinking that somebody's doesn't. Yeah. And that is a level of paranoia that you cannot manufacture any other way than some player who will just immediately go, I do sense motive checks on the entire party. <laughs> And it's just rolling dice like crazy. Like, uh, you just sit back and smile. Yeah. We've talked about the three main types that I know of of gaming. You got your remote, in person, both. Well, I guess, you know, we haven't really talked a lot about, like, just sitting down at the table, but I guess it's probably because we're all just so familiar with it, you know? Could be. So it's talked about in person, talked about remote. Talked about play by post. Yeah, I would say on, on, on the in person, just trying to think back to the time when I played my first games, and it hasn't really changed. I mean, I, I was trying to think that is there any difference in, in 
in in a in person game in 2022 or what it was maybe in in the 90s and books are fancier yes people have phones now <laughs> yeah but i i haven't well i haven't played that much in, in the past years but i haven't noticed that they would distract so much maybe my people in, in my games being just polite enough yeah. or your games just that good well i mean yeah like, they would range from interesting to good to bad or i mean with pathfinder society especially you know <laughs> you never know what you get yeah. in, in the scenario well i i've heard this and but like i said i've only been gaming for about 15 years so you tell me whether or not you think it's true but the prevalence of maps has increased over the years. Like, as it used to be, like, there was a lot more theater of the mind. Now it's a lot more visual. And for me, it's always been visual. There's always been people drawing maps, whether it's hand-drawn or pre-printed. So you tell me whether that's, that's true. true. Think that's true. That's true, actually, yeah. But it might also have something to do with uh, the games we played when I was younger were, were different than... And, and, they didn't even like suggest to play play on a map and with i think pathfinder was the first game i actually played with a map and it was like oh this is new <laughs> but then again might some games especially if if it's not very combat based fancy game you probably would still do just theater of mind maybe i don't know i don't know if you play some some modern games or horror games or i mean I, i've dabbled you know in, in some stuff and like uh a lot of other games yeah i don't use use maps but i mean with pathfinder and before that 3.5 you know the the emphasis on positioning and tacticalness of combat is always required a map but like i got a book that's um 40 micro rpgs you know and they're like one to three page rule sets I've, you know obviously there's there's no map for stuff like that or um mm -hmm. uh what's it? three two one action that's a really fun one that i i got got my hands on and that one like it uses a, a map but mostly just as a picture like here's a map of this entire camp and you know you're not moving pawns around it's just like here's a display of what this camp looks like for the yeah yeah player's yeah. aid exactly yeah so but also from the from the old time i'm not sure how the original dnd was supposed to be handled was it was it on a map at least on the stranger things that they were playing must playing be right it, it evolved <laughs> from a war game yeah well, yeah yeah, I, I have heard, um, as I was having this conversation actually last time um, with Jared, he talked about he has a player that used to play back then, right? And they didn't put out maps, at least like the people, like his group and the groups he knew, the DM would describe things and the players would map it themselves on graph paper. Yeah, I think on, on the original rule set or the the red box. It it actually said that one of the players should be the mapper. Huh. Yeah. 
sort of actually handing out, out the very role of but I wasn't sure if it was more of just drawing the map of where you were going and I'm not sure it was no, about the tactical tactical play map honestly I kind of like that I, I kind of like that because it um, it 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 makes it makes creating the world a bit more of a conversation rather than just something mm. that the end does, and I'm 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 a big sucker for that sort of thing myself. And it would might be also interesting for the GM to then see the finished map and compare that. <laughs> okay, that's one of the things Jared mentioned was like you know he's got his map, he describes it, and then looks at the other guy's map and you know compares them, and sometimes they're spot on, and sometimes he's like, well, I need to get better at describing things. <laughs> well, do you guys have any closing thoughts on the topic? Any any major points you're like, man, this didn't get brought up, but I really wish I'd had a chance to say it or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, the, all, all the three styles are different. They maybe serve different purposes and also engage a bit different play styles. Uh, one thing I did, don't think we really covered about play by post is that if you put the effort into it and and you can actually make the players create amazing stories it has to move from the more of a reactionary game that that most of the games are that gm describes and then players react to to the point where uh, the players are actually generating the interactions uh, and we, we had one game that, that was very much like that. It was the Kingmaker. And uh, I don't know how much we actually followed the official AP. <laughs> it was just, just tons and tons of content of just the players, of the characters sitting, sitting in in the Oleg's uh, Inn and, and just talking about future, etc. And it was... At the same time, awesome, it was great, but it was also very demanding just reading all the text that was generated overnight. Yeah. Took me an hour of my day and then, then, then of course you can't just type a quick post of yourself. You, you have to write a mini novel to keep the level, level up, but it could be a, a, a medium for for much greater stories as well just and instead of just mimicking the uh, in-person uh, in-person gaming you know in a in a written form yeah absolutely something something that adds to that is just the fact that you can always read back exactly what happened before which is which is one thing that that Playboy Post has that remote play and in real life doesn't by default have. I mean, you can record all your stuff and then you, you'll have that, but Playboy Post archives itself by nature of it being, you know, text on a forum thread that you can just keep reading. And you can search. Exactly. <laughs> Not, I will say, however, the Pathfinder forum search function kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Kinda is an understatement. <laughs> when it, it, the search function on Paizo's website in general is so bad, I don't ever use it. I would rather search Paizo, insert whatever, 
Oh, Google. Google. Yeah. And it is more accurate and faster. Yeah, maybe I'll need to start doing that as well. It would be great if you could export the whole whole thread and then then you would do a text search. That that I think that's possible in in uh, Myth. What was the name? Myth viewers. Viewers. How, how do you pronounce it? The other other form. Weaver. Myth Weaver. That does not sound. That does sound familiar. Oh, it's been a couple of years. Mythweavers is an online community that yep. focuses on play-by-post gaming. Ah, huh, that's neat. Uh, and it's a V-bullet inside. That's old school. Yep. So it's it's kind of clunky, <laughs> clunky, and, and the, it has bad size. So I, I'm not advertising it. But <laughs> uh, actually, we moved moved there from with one group because at that time, Paizo forums were really horrible. They were down all the time. They, you were losing posts, and I think that GM at that time just had enough. And, and since then, nothing's changed. <laughs> they bit more reliable these days. I, I would <laughs> yeah. say. So one downside of, of play by post, you're you're reliant on somebody else's services. Yes. Yeah. Which I will admit, sometimes when the forums are down, I'm just like. It's like a day off. I've also got something to say about uh, remote play. I've I've been extolling the virtues of uh, Foundry Virtual Tabletop for a bit earlier, but I will say, and this goes for Foundry. It'll it goes for Roll Twenty as well. It goes for uh, Fantasy Grounds or whatever fancy thing they put out. As a GM, you're going to have to put a lot of time and effort into learning the program that you're running things in. Especially if you want to, you know, use it to the full extent of, of its capabilities. There's usually, like, a lot of experimenting and toying around in before you figure it out. It took us months to figure out how to activate Rage on our party's Barbarian, for instance. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, be prepared. So, yeah. To... Exactly. Yeah, I would say to some extent also for the players that they need to yeah. and some time, not not as as much anywhere as much time as the GM, but Yeah. I've I've played very little and then every time I go to a World Twenty game I'm like, Oh god. <laughs> How does this work again? How does this work? How do I get my character here? How do I get my token to work? Every time I'm back on World Twenty I forget how to actually roll. I I just I, forget the syntax. <laughs> I will admit, I, I'm very lucky in that while that GM does use Roll20, he's like, yeah, if you want to use a, a paper sheet and real dice, go right ahead. So, like, I'm just literally just moving my token around and occasionally creating auras and, you know, drawing weird things on the corners of the maps when nobody's paying attention. Oh, that's very important. That That is an integral part of the experience. <laughs> I've gotten quite good at drawing trees. Um, <laughs> so... I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up by saying thank you to you guys for coming on. This was a, a weird scheduling thing, um, but I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you guys as my players too, like just in, in general. Like I, I I try to say that at least every couple months to you guys in the play by post. Um, but this you know this game has been good enough for me that like I've taken some of the lessons I've learned from it into my real world games which is outstanding like so i really appreciate you guys 
Um, and I appreciate you coming on. And listeners, I appreciate you downloading and listening. Thank you, and have a great day.